All right, today on the podcast, I have Max with Max Options Trading, who has been trading full-time while selling options for the last five years. He's coached thousands of traders and has over 10 million views on all his socials. So he's going to be someone we look up to in the option selling space that's going to help everyone out there kind of get started with the right advice and the right steps forward. So thanks for popping on with us, Max. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I can't wait to talk some more, my friend. Yeah, so let's just dive into the beginning. So what was life like before five years ago with the stock oh. market? Or were you ever not in the stock market, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. So so quick rundown. Right before I jumped in the stock market, I had got out of the military. I was in the military from 2013 to 2018. And there wasn't a lot of stock going on there. One of my closest friends, Ryan, though, in 2014 says, Amazon Prime Day is coming up and I'm buying options. And I said, I don't even know what that means, but I like it. I'll buy shares. And that started the journey of, oh, shit, this is pretty cool. Finance, the markets, making money, losing money. It's, you know, you get your little dopamine hit. So uh, military and law enforcement background. After the military got out, I went straight into sales. The sales that I did was a roofing contractor working for my mentor um, who absolutely set me up with the platform to where I was able to transfer that over and become an option seller. So I'm guessing out of the military, just not much money and the sales job maybe helped you build up the account? Oh yeah, listen, when I got out of the military, I had no money, I had no car, I had nothing. I have a picture that I keep as a humble reminder, right? I have my, it's a fucking bed and a Walmart closet in my brother's living room. And that's where I was living in my brother's living room, 28 years old, no money, no car, no nothing. So all I could really do was figure it out. So I started reading every book you can think of about finance, self-help, you know, all of it, getting the literacy that I needed. And then I just stopped doing everything. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I stopped going out. And all I did was work sales 10 hours a day until I had enough and figured it out. Yeah. I, I kind of want to dive into that because everybody's posting like, I quit drinking. I go to the gym. Like, is that just like a hype thing or like, did that change your life? That changes my life. That changed. So the not drinking, I can tell you like, having the right headspace, having the clarity, especially in a stressful profession like this, like trading is not fucking fun. I don't care what anyone says. It is not easy. It is so high level stress. And I can't imagine going out and having a three day bender over the weekend and then having to sit at my computer all Monday. So when it, in relation to, to, to like this, this career, like the non-drinking for me, was an easy decision. But if I really, if you know, if I'm not full of shit, when I quit smoking cigarettes, you have to quit drinking. Cause it's like, you can't quit smoking cigarettes and not fucking drink. Like if you, as soon as I cracked the beer, I would have been like, who's got one, right? Like, so there's that, that those are mutually inclusive. If you're gonna quit smoking, <laughs> you gotta quit drinking. Uh, the gym has always been a passion of mine. That's like, uh, I bodybuilded in the military. My father was a professional bodybuilder, you know, even though I'm the big fatty now putting on that extra mass, um, going to the gym four or five days a week for me consistently for years and years now has always been very important to me. And I can contest that everything that's happened good in my life, like those good spurts where it's just like, damn, I can't make a bad decision 
I was more focused on my health and my fitness at those times. And the times where I get hurt or think something happens and I skip the gym for a few weeks, I start to notice bad shit happening around me. So I truly believe that, you know, you hear the health is wealth and all of that, but I don't, I don't care about none of that. But I do believe that consistency and discipline and going to something like the gym does transfer over into the other aspects of your life. It overflows like a fucking water puddle. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like I'm undecided on the whole, like, have everything perfect thing, like, cut out all the crap thing. Like, I feel like there's also, like, a balance factor where you could kind of have a beer every night or once every other night. and well, absolutely. Be, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't want to say to offend anyone, but there's a lot of big millionaires out there, like, big billionaires. Like, I don't think they've ever hit the gym, but... I'm always curious why people pump this cut it all out, you know, idea. I don't think it's a cut it all out. Everyone has a vice. If you, if you got to have a vice. So the gym for me is more therapeutic as it, than anything. Right. But like, I'm also a big eater. I don't spend my money on alcohol or weed or any, anything like that, but I will go drop two fifty at a nice steakhouse and try all the sides. Right. So like, that's mine. That's my vice. That's my way. So I don't think it has to be a drop everything and just, you know, be your best potential potential self. That's almost impossible. Right. But like find a vice that's yours. And so if it's not the gym, if it's not, you know, quit drinking, if it's that one beer, if that one beer or you fucking if it's a six pack at night, if that's what gets you relaxed and calm and feeling good and that's your vice, then so be it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, th- I think the king of social media at this moment, Alex Hermosi, he loves yeah. dessert. And he's like, people hate sugar, but that dude is downing like barrels of ice cream every time. <laughs> yeah. Alex Hermosi can do whatever he wants, and he's going to look cool doing it, man. He's just one of those guys. <laughs> you know, like, anyone who, if you can ignore the nasal strip while he's preaching to you about how you're going to be successful, if you can get past that, you, you know, you'll get past those him. That dessert. <laughs> yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. I love I love what I've learned from him. He's been a huge online mentor. Um, but let's dive into out of military, first couple years. When do you shift to option selling? And when do you see like, hey, like this is full-time income potential? Yeah. So I got very fortunate. I started my options career. I took 35,000 out of my stock portfolio and I said, all right, this is my options money. If I blow it, I blow it. and I'll never try an option again. And if I do well, I might be able to find something here. And this was around 2018. So this was the end of like that Donald Trump bull era where that last like 18 months was like fire. So all I did was, I didn't even know what I was doing. Just bought call options, 20 contracts, AMD. AMD was like $30 back then. Walmart, Alibaba, three stocks. I had no idea what they were. Literally a friend said, I like these three stocks. And so I just bought options contracts. Next week I woke up and I was up $17,000. And I said, okay. And then I looked by the end of Friday and I'm up $45,000. And I was like, huh. Is, is this isn't real, right? This is bullshit. It's fake money or something's wrong. So I sold everything and I'm like, all right, this ain't real. And I'm like, I'm just going to pull out my 35,000. I pull it out and I see account balance 45K. And I'm like, 
I'm like, so let me try it again next week. Next week, I make another $20,000 going all in on the same three stocks. If that's not the most lucky, fortunate beginning of any options trader in the world, I don't know what is. So I got extremely lucky. um, (laughs) And then I got addicted. I was like, okay, now I really need to dive in. So then I began the understanding. I took every course you can think of. I went on YouTube for, oh my God, hours and hours and hours and hours. Like I need to learn every option strategy there is. I become very addictive, right? Having that that addictive type personality. I was like, if I'm not the best at this, if I'm not the subject matter expert, I can't continue this kind of growth. Um, And lucky enough, I did continue that same pattern of growth for almost a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's how my options trading career began. 92% luck. And then (laughs) as I started learning more, it was like 91% luck, 9% skill. And then I transferred it over. Um, It was really during COVID where I was like starting to lose a lot of money in March, April, right? I, I think it was like the famous April 17th, 220 puts. If you know Umar, everyone knows Umar. He's like the goat, the king of options trading. He lost, he, he was open about how he took half a million dollar loss on those puts. So <laughs> myself and several of us that were trading back in the discords back then also took a substantial loss. And I remember thinking like, wow, like I built all this income and now I'm just blowing it. Like blowing, you know, I was doing earnings reports, 20 grand on a fucking earnings report. Who <laughs> does that? I was taking my home run shot and I was striking out. So I started blowing all my money and I was like, okay, there's gotta be a better way. So then that mindset switch happened where I was like, let me stop buying options and start selling them. Let me change the freaking pace here and see what I can do. So I started learning about credit spreads. I started learning about calendars and different ways to implement verticals. And that's when the switch happened was right after COVID about three years ago. And by the end of 2020, I had not bought options ever since. That's that's insane. But I want to say ever since, I do buy options very rarely. Three or four times a year, I have a swing trading criteria that if it hits, I will swing trade, buy options. I'll go heavy and I'll enter a position. But if that doesn't hit, then I won't buy an option at all for the year. And how many months out do you swing? I, I have a standardized swing criteria. So they're not leaps, but I go four to six weeks out. And I just pick a strike price at my target price and I have very tight stops. So, you know, when you're swing trading, you want to trend, you want to catch the reversal on a trend on the daily chart, maybe even the weekly chart, right? Those greater time frames. So when I swing trade, I go four to six weeks out and I just sickly do the candlestick analysis. If we make a newer high on a candlestick on the daily, that means my trend is not intact anymore. So I cut with very tight stop losses. But if the trend is aggressive and it goes in my favor, you're able to take a large amount of profits with a safe amount of time. And that's the way I've always swung trade. And you only do this three times a year. Uh, Right now we're in July and I've entered two bots this year. One was uh, Walmart puts, which went very well. I wind up making 26,000 on that one Uh, on a $12,000 investment. I made like 230% or something like that. Uh, and then the second one was I shorted Mara um, just recently. 
it had a small pop where I was able to trim some profits and then I took a loss um, on the, it continued its ravage right up. But I knew I was tackling a beast when you mess with a cryptocurrency stock or any, you know, off meme stock. I knew I was going to tackle the monster. So I told everyone like, this is tight, but we could lose. And it was like, within a week, I was like, all right, I'm out. You know, <laughs> took the, that one. Yeah. So it's very rare. Yeah. We're, we're in Mara cult spreads right now. And I got in like last week and got in at a bad place. And with the volatility, you can still like do pretty well because oh, yeah. it's insanely volatile. So yeah, I'm on the same boat, but I, I, I know timing the tops on these things are impossible. So I yeah. went, with a, went with a call spread like a month out. When I did my analysis, I didn't even try and time the top. I just tried to time a relief, you know, some kind of pressure relief where it could even if it consolidated for a little bit, I would have considered that as a win where I could have got out on one of the drops. But, you know, yeah. it took a tactical pause and it just exploded back up to the upside where it topped out at like 17. I'm talking about a few weeks ago when it was at 12, 13 is when I entered the short. So, um, oh, got it. Yeah, you, know, you know, the risk to reward and you know the potential when you're dealing with a stock with that kind of volatility. Yeah, I mean, the, this bull market will lift everything and it'll, it'll lift the short squeezers and the meme stocks like 10 times, especially yeah. in the extended bull market. So I think we went long Mara at like 11 bucks a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Awesome. That was, awesome. That was a move, man. I wish I sized in more. But yep. let's dive into, so what's your bread and butter trade? With option selling, like what do you do, rinse and repeat, almost, you, what, what could you do daily or weekly, I would say? Yeah, daily. So I've written books, guides, and implemented multiple strategies on credit spreads. Verticals are my bread and butter. That's where I've made my most income since 2020 being a full-time option seller. That's where I've taken my biggest losses since 2020 being an option seller and learned everything A to Z on the way. Like... I have done everything with a credit spread you can think of on every stock you can think of in every fashion possible. So I, I literally know everything about them. Um, but to, to, I have a very fine tuned strategy to today that I use um, mostly on SPX. I'm a full time SPX spread seller now. So I sell, sell premium on SPX daily. And, um, and I will sometimes implement iron condors but it's based off of my initial credit spread strategy. So those are the those are the two. I also run my private mentorship and I have a very advanced wheel strategy that I curated. And that's what I've lived off of for the last three years. So simultaneously mixing in cash secured puts and covered calls in a very unique way. Yes. Are you doing those on like growth ish stocks or index funds or like Tesla's? Like what's your wheel? wheelhouse for the wheel. So, uh, my wheelhouse is very unique, um, but a lot of people disagree with it, but I've been doing it a long time. My favorite stock is a stock that you may have heard of, but most likely have never traded. It's called Labu, L-A-B-U. And Labu yeah. is a 3X directional yeah. biotech fund created in 2015 during the Ebola issues, drop down, reverse split, but then it trended with bull market. Um, it typically trends with the market. Biotech, a lot of biotech is in the S&P 500. Um, being a leveraged stock, you have to worry about decay and issues like that. Um, but it tends to trend up with bull market. So 
decay only happens on the downside when the three part lever, um, the one part is debt, right? So it takes on debt and that's what happens. That's the decay. Um, but I, I love that stock so much. Like it follows technical analysis. It, yeah. it goes with the market trends. It has unbelievable premiums, like consistent 3% to 5% premiums on biweeklies. Like where are you going to get that kind of consistency? You know, it's a stock that I can buy at six bucks and sell at 650. And for me, it's those little base hits, right? Because yeah. I use a large equity. Um, the last time I had scaled in, I scaled in at like $70,000 worth of cash secured puts. And I'm able to close those and recycle them back into shares using profit, sell covered calls on that profit and take a paycheck from that profit. So it's like, that's why they call it the wheel, right? Um, so that's one thing that I do that's very unique is I love using leverage ETFs for my wheelhouse and reinvesting that into long-term portfolio. Yeah, dude, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> I specifically love like the TQQQ and they just Beautiful. started releasing Tesla, Apple, NVIDIA, Pfizer. Like there's single stocks now that are leveraged. So yep. option premiums are... 50% higher now. The TQQ is three times higher. So yep. yeah, like you said, in a, in a bull market, you can't lose being an option seller. It's like taking candy from a baby. And if you're using leverage, it's taking three times as much candy from the baby. So I agree. And you, know, you see a lot of analysts now making the switch to, hey, you like the IWM, right? We like the small caps. We like the Russell. <laughs> But then they're telling they're not telling you to go look at the IWM. They're telling you to go look at TNA, the three X leverage small cap. They're telling you hey, the QQQ is good, but TQQQ was just at twenty, and now it's going to be fifty probably by the end of this month, right? <laughs> the TQQ, the QQQ can't double like that in a few months. So, getting that leverage and another fun fact: people always talk about all oh, leverage, the decay, and all this bullshit. Yeah, TQQQ has never reverse split. TQQQ had a COVID low that has never been retested. TQQQ <laughs> is the NASDAQ strong and it cycles its stocks as rapidly and strong as the QQQ, its mother, mothership or whatever, you know. So you can I can argue all day that I think it's safer to invest in TQQQ, a 3x leverage ETF, than a fucking individual named stock. Amen. Yeah, I believe it, man. And it's funny though, because the FNGU reverse split and that one I loved a lot. I got destroyed bag holding those. And that was a big loss for me last couple of years. But now it's the bottom. You know, how much lower can they go? So yeah. <laughs> my thing is too, when you're wheeling, right? The the wheel, I look at the premium. I, I think I invented this term. I'm not sure. I call it the blended cost average. Have you ever heard of a blended cost average? I think so. Okay. okay. Well, what it is, your dollar cost average less all of the credits you've received by selling options on the underlying stock. So if I buy a stock at $10 and I sell a $50 covered call, my blended cost average is now $9.50. That's what I owe left on the stock. So my goal in my wheelhouse, and I tell everyone, is long term, I compare it to real estate. Pay down your mortgage, have your tenant bring your mortgage, your real estate to zero fucking dollars. And then what do you have? A cash producing asset for life. 
So who gives a shit if your $10 stock goes to $4? Because all in time, stocks are forever. Your unrealized losses will not outweigh the realized gains you'll get from selling premium on it. And I have taken some serious losers. I mean, I have like $160,000 loss on Boyle in the last 24 months, wow. which is the widow maker, right? So I'm not going to say that I'm sitting here and say I'm fucking perfect because I'm not. I've made mistakes, but out of that 160,000, I've made almost 90 of it back already selling premium. And that stock I'm going to hold forever until it reverse splits me to the point where I have one share. I'm not going to hold it and I'm going to continue to make passive income on it. Are, are you worried? Because I, I don't know the actuality of this happening, but can these leveraged ETFs just disappear? Like we're like, we're out of business. Like we miscalculated some shit. Absolutely. Absolutely can. But that's why I also do a lot of due diligence and research on the parent companies. So Direxian, ProShares, right? All of these hosts of these, you want to look up their business. How's their model doing? How are they doing fundamentally? Is that a strong company, right? And you'll find that most of them are cash strapped, very strong. And the ETFs that they have, even the bad ones, are very cash loaded um, 3X ETFs. So I look that up consistently. If you go to ProShares' website, ProShares has an awesome website that breaks down all of their leveraged ETFs and all of their previous leveraged ETFs. So you can see what's going on. But if you have a, a leveraged ETF like TQQQ, that's a cash cow. That one's going to continue for however long, I don't ever see them just being like a flick, a, you know, a flip and you're done. I don't ever see that happening. I think you would have much notice. I think the underlying ETF would have to be out of compliance for a while and the underlying ETF, because you have things like SQQQ, right? That has literally, it's down 99.87% all time. You have your inverted, your, your bear ETFs, that are down 99%, 99% all time. And you can find a bunch of them. Look up any bear ETF, go to the yeah. weekly chart and just zoom out. You'll just see <laughs> it like this. It's a straight line down. It's so pathetic. Yeah. It is. It, is, it but looks like the biggest bull ever. So now I always think to myself, those haven't gone out of business yet. Those are still here for the last 20 years, just shit in the bed, right? So... <laughs> You know, how, why would my good ETF that doesn't split and do all this, why would that one shit the bed? Well, I think they stay alive by reverse splitting. So yep. they, just keep, they keep doing that and raising more shares or whatever. Um, but yeah, let's go back to, I I am very, because I've never got pinning to a, like a zero day option selling strategy. I love for you to like expand upon how you even manage to plot like the entry points on zeros for the index funds? Like yeah. what, time, what time do you get in? What time do you get out? Like, can you lay out as much as possible without, you know, devaluing your subs, you know? Oh no, I'll give them all the sauce they need to succeed. I'm here to help baby. The, the, the zero DTE credit spread strategy I use on SPX is very simple. So the way I set it up on my charts, there's no indicators. It's simple candlestick analysis and price action. That's it. It's the basics of options trading, which I think it's so important for people that get wound up. You see the people that you look at their chart, you see MACD, RSI, stochastic, yeah. 
divergence, MACD again, but with bubbles. Like, <laughs> you're like, Jesus, fuck. Like, a uh, momentum oscillator is a momentum oscillator. If you learn how to read, read one appropriately, you're reading them all. Like, yeah. you know, you know, you can only stack shit so high. So I see this um, and I don't like that. So my candlestick analysis is what I go off of, right? Because that's what trading is. Buyers versus sellers. Pick the fucking winning side and you'll make money. So what I do is I only use the 15 minute chart. That's it. 15 minute chart only. I go to SPX and I chart out the 15 minute orb. Um, the orb is the opening range breakout. So I simply chart the high of the first 15 minute candle and I chart the low of the first 15 minute candle. And this becomes an intraday major level of support resistance. So I use that, the 15 minute opening range breakout. If the stock, if SPX were to pop to the upside with confirmations, then I would enter put side credit spreads. Put side credit spreads are a bearish option, or excuse me, are a bullish option strategy and vice versa. So I always, always, always wait for four confirmations when I'm trading this. So the first confirmation is if we were to break to the upside, is there a higher high? Is there a higher low? Did this candle close outside of orb? And did this candle confirm the previous candles data? So if we had a, two bullish candles in a row that closes outside of orb, that's my entry criteria. Now I will enter put side credit spreads based on previous lows, previous lower lows, and the expected move for the day matrix. Once I get that, I'm able to choose a strike price that provides a decent premium for something that's way out of the money. That's incredible. I like you being so honest and sharing that um, with us. So I appreciate that a lot. Absolutely. With the orb, like, what's the psychology? What's the back testing? Like, what's the confidence for you to use that strategy? Uh, the confidence is I back tested the strategy and paper traded it for six months. And I went back and did the special replay function for over two years of data. And I did this every single options trading day. The biggest losers were which i call there's two types of news breaks fundamentals that mess up the market right one of them is called high importance news that's your cpi ppi your jerome powell your presidential speeches those are your high importance news days that that was like a 50 50 because the market could just tank or shoot up and it would cause you to take a loss any type of reversal is is dangerous to the strategy um, and then the second one, the lesser importance news days, your random Fed speakers, your random meetings and such like that. Besides those days, I found a massive success rate. And I challenge anybody to go try my credit spread strategy and backtest it for yourself. I don't need to sit here and prove it to you because after about two months, you're going to go, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally just looking at the chart from just a couple of days ago and you probably would have been three for three Thursday, Friday, and Monday. So when I teach this, and if you look on some of my YouTube videos and things like that, I do a live demonstration of how I do this. I set it up. And when I do the live demo, I always say to pass this test, we need to hit nine out of 10 to be correct. For my strategy to work, you have to hit nine out of 10 of these days in a row. And every single demo, We've accomplished that without fault. 
And I can even show some days I did a, um, a live like little masterclass with a few other traders from Twitter um, the other day, and it was awesome. And when I did mine, I said, I want to show you guys an iron condor day. And based on the candlestick analysis at 11 o'clock, I was like, all right, I think that it's going to stay basically within orb and range bound for the rest of the day. And it didn't even move like this much up and up and down. And people are like, holy shit, how can you do that? Well, it's simple price action and candlestick analysis with a good strategy. And that's all you need. And do you have like a stop loss or like a risk to reward you look for? Yes. With yeah. like a credit spread, you're looking like two to one, three to one, four to one. Like so with the credit spread, it's actually, you know, when you're talking three to one, four to one, it's actually the opposite. So it's like one to three because I'm going to take, so I have a hard stop loss of 300%. So because you can lose up to the collateral on a credit spread. So if it costs me $1,000 to enter one contract minus the credit I received, that means I can lose somewhere around like 950 bucks. So that's significantly more than I'm my potential profit. So what I like to do is I like to keep it a uh, inverted one to three risk to reward ratio. That means that I have a hard stop loss at 300% every single day. And I have a zone of support and resistance that in the afternoon were to break, I would exit the trade regardless because it's one of those big liquidity spots. Um, and having a reverse, so I know that sounds like crazy, like, oh, this is ridiculous. Why would I risk that to lose 300%? But to have a one to three risk to reward ratio, that means what? That means I need a 75% success rate to be at break even. So every percent above 75, is long-term consistent profits. And I that's why I said, I don't have to say the numbers. If I, I only like saying the win rate that I have because people are gonna be like, oh, he's full of shit. So I'm not gonna say it, but go back and test it for yourself and look at the win rate over a hundred days. And then you'll be like 75% ain't shit. <laughs> no, I believe it. I mean, just the statistic of a option is like, you can have 70% just out of the gate. Statistics is a big part of why I do what I do and how I do it, right? So for an options buyer, how does an options buyer make money? If an options buyer buys call options, that means they need the stock to rapidly go up in their direction. If it goes up too slowly during a zero DT, you lose. If it consolidates, you lose. And if it drops, you lose. But as an option seller, if I sell a call side credit spread, I lose only if it goes in the money rapidly. But if it goes up slowly, I win. If it consolidates, I win. And if it drops, I win. So the natural law of statistics selling versus buying are already favorable 66% in your favor. Now let's talk about how many options contracts expire worthless. 99% of them. The 1% that, you know, like it's ridiculous. So when you hear these statistics and then you add the Delta, right? The top, the number one function of a Delta is what? The rate of change of the underlying stock given a $1 move. What's the secondary function? That is the underlying strike price of that options contracts chance to go in the money. So a 30 Delta means there's a 30% chance that stock goes in the money. As an option seller, I don't want that. So if I sell that option, I automatically statistically have a 70% chance of success. So if I choose a Delta that's at 85, which is what I do, I only choose a Delta of 85 
or excuse me, or 15 or lower, which gives me an 85% chance of success. On top of all the other statistics, on top of all the other expected moves that the, the brokers give you, TOS tells you what the expected move is of the day. It said today there's probably going to be a 14-point move, and the market moved like 13 points. So using all that data and statistics to my benefit, I'm able to keep a very consistent and high win rate, which has a very small and capped reward. But over time, the consistency, it's amazing. And is that where you make majority of your money is zero-day stuff or other avenues? The wheel is how I survive. Uh, I make... I have multiple, multiple accounts now that I wheel in consistently, um, a few six figure ones, and that's my primary income. Always have, it, it always will be. You know, when, and so I said like back in 2020, when I made that switch from like wealth building to, oh shit, I need to wealth preserve. Yeah. That mental switch in my brain, once that light went off, it was a no brainer for me. I was like, I'm gonna sell options for the rest of my life and that's all I'm gonna do. The zero DTE stuff, what I like to do, so right now I'm scaling. I think all traders should scale the amount of contracts they use to the amount of contracts they're comfortable with and then reset. So what I do is I start with two SPX contracts for $2,000 and I can make anywhere from like 50 to 100 bucks a day. And after two weeks of or three weeks of winning with a loss, I'm able to go to three contracts. And then after another two weeks, I'm able to go to four contracts. So I'm in the middle of that process right now. And in the last month, I've scaled from two to four contracts because I'm a professional trader and I'm going to grow my scalability just like I'm going to grow my account. So the way I do that and grow that, and I'm going to get to a point where I'm comfortable. Here's here's a uh, something I always teach my students. A lot of people don't think about this, right? If I were to play one contract of SPX, just one, I would not even look at the screen that day. I would yeah. give two fuck right. If you played one contract right now, one one call option for fifty bucks, would you even care about that trade at all? It could go up a thousand percent, and you would literally still not care and be like, "Oh, <laughs> that's cool. I made five hundred, right?" It doesn't yeah. it doesn't get the heart rate going, but. If I entered $100,000 worth of zero DTEs, I'd be sitting at the screen biting my fucking nails and be like, I, you know, sweating and anxious, right? So I always, where is the middle there? From I don't give a shit at one contract to I'm freaking out at 100 contracts. Where's Max's middle? Where am I so comfortable that I'm not, not caring, but I'm not freaking out? And, and that's the level of contracts that everyone needs to find for themselves. And the only way you can do that is by scaling to that amount. Because there's going to be a time where I scale my four to five to ten contracts. And maybe I get to ten and I'm like, damn, this is nice. Ten thousand a day is like perfect for me. And that's my number, right? Sometimes I scale to 25 and I'm doing 25,000 a day. So it's like, damn, this is good. But I notice I'm looking at the screen a lot more and I'm starting to stress the movements that are coming my way. Let me figure this out and go back down, right? That scaling that I'm, I'm one of the huge believers that size management is risk management, is emotional management, and they're all synonymous. I like that. That's really deep. Size, risk, and emotions. They're, they're so it all, starts with size and affects correct, the rest. Correct. Because like I said, if you... Oversized, you're going to be staring at the screen, tearing your nails up. 
because you're emotionally involved, you're charged now because your risk management, your size management went to shit. And if one of them goes to shit, it's a, it's the domino effect. The other two are going right out the window with it. And once you get that greed, the fear, the hope, the number one killer of all options traders, those emotions, you're fucked. So you have to figure it out from the start. So the, from the start, if I'm playing small enough to not even care, I probably won't be emotional and I probably will keep a level headed of good risk management. Nice. And so with your schedule, how does it look like for this zero, you, you know, you just trading like zero days every day or Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, like I trade, I trade them every day. I, every day there's a, so I don't trade high importance news days. Yeah. So PPI, CPI, all of that. I do not trade those. I sit them out. I go enjoy my day. New options traders love trading every day. L hate the weekends. Love trading. 50 trades a day. When you've been doing it professionally for a while, I can't stand high importance news days. I miss my four-day weekends. Like I love, you know, you you get those. You, it's a total mind switch, right? I'm sure you know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. I used to sit at a chart all Sunday and be prepping for the week, and now it's like, I'm going to sit there until 10 p.m. and I'm going to enjoy my weekend. So, but I do trade every day um, unless there's a high importance news break, a fundamental thing that could impact the markets and put my credit spread at jeopardy before I even enter the trade. Well, what sense does that make? You know, and I always tell my students, like, I'm going to be trading tomorrow. I'm sure a lot of my friends will be trading tomorrow. But are you going to be trading tomorrow? Or is today the day you do something stupid and get out? <laughs> That's a good point. But how, how much time does it take to manage these zero-day trades and and also manage your wheeling strategy? Like per week, what does that look like time-wise? So realistically, like no bullshit. My wheeling strategy, if I wanted to, I only need to be attentive Monday and Friday for 10 minutes a day. 20 minutes. 20 minutes a week. I can consistently and safely run my wheel strategy to a, with to no no issues at all because I'm so proficient, you know, over time with my broker, with the charts, with the stocks that I've been using for so long. I have that level of comfortability where I can just easily go in there, make my what I need to make, and literally pull a paycheck out the same day and say, "Okay, I'm good." Well, you know, I don't care what the outcome is because I know the outcomes prior to right. So that's the most important thing is knowledge is power. I know what the outcomes are. I'm satisfied with all of them. So I can make the best decision possible with all of them. Selling options gives you that. You know, when you're buying an option, you don't know if you're going to win or lose. But when I'm selling an option, I'm only going to fucking win in the long term. So I'm okay with whatever outcome happens. Yeah. Uh, the zero DTE, I trade live with my Discord and my team. Um, I usually, I mean, this is funny too. I usually play League of Legends until about 9.15-ish, 9.20 every yeah. morning. And I go to the gym. I work out at, like, you know, 6.30 to about 8. Come home, shower, eat breakfast. And I'm trying to get a game in <laughs> before the market opens because my strategy is price action. And there's no SPX price action prior to 9.30. So why do I have to be glued to a screen, you know? Uh, so I usually start trading around 9.45. And that's when my orb candle, my first 15 minute candle is charted. So once that one's charted, now I'm watching the screen from about 930, 930 to about 1030 one hour. And if the entry criteria hits, 
I will enter a trade and apply the risk management, which includes a hard stop and includes a support zone. So I set my alerts for both of those and I walk away for the day. Nice. It's so funny. Like I just switched to trading at 945, like four months ago. It's like everybody I have on this podcast has these little nuggets of knowledge that took me like years to figure out, but it's a gift. It's a gift to be like able to share this and everybody can learn because you don't have to take years to find this stuff out. It's, it's incredible how many traders will try to trade the open. It's like, they'll just struggle for blown, yep. three or four blown up accounts. Like you don't need to trade the first 10 minutes. I can't stand traders that promote trading the open. I know a bunch of people do it, right? Like if there's a news break, a uh, post earnings report and they're like, you know, they're ready and they're confident and they might take the hit, but like, if you can't wait five fucking minutes for the market to open, five or 15, then your patience is dog shit anyway. And you're most likely going to fail while you're in the trade, right? Like you can't wait that extra five minute candle, like let everything subside, let everything calm down because most of the time you're going to get crushed at the open. Oh yeah. That volatility yeah. crush is for real. Just the first five minutes. First five minutes. If a stock drops a dollar, those out of the money contracts are crippled immediately. And they're on for the rest of the day and yeah. how it works, right? Like what, you know, you got to make like those contracts ain't going back up like that. You got to make like three or four times the magnitude move at, at some point, if you just get that crush. Yeah. So yeah, dude, I don't know if you've ever been on the uh, – I was in this Twitter spaces this morning with the Wolf guy and his, his crew. Wolf, um, Wolf Financial? Yeah, it was it was like the market open space, and everybody was just like, bam, 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 bam. I was yeah. like, I can't even be here. I'm going to – they're giving me FOMO, like just trying to – it yeah. was nuts. But like it's amazing how many people treat yeah. tra- open and I've, I've traded with wolf a few times i love him he's a he's a cool fucking dude and he gives a wonderful platform on twitter and he's going to be a good trader in his day um we've spoken about selling options before as well that's uh, he's a, just a cool ass dude and yeah some of those guys he trades with they're very serious traders like very serious and yeah. it's, um, it's funny when i go in there because i always feel like kind of like the you know i'm not young as some of these guys, you know, I'm about to, I'm going to be 34 soon. So I'm a little bit older. Right. Um, but I like to always joke around, have fun and like a very outgoing and outspoken. And I'll say some shit, you know, like, Oh, break an orb to the downside. You fucking idiots that are in calls are probably going to get smoked. And, and then I'll say something like, by the way, I'm selling calls. If anyone needs to buy them, you know, I'm selling them all. Right <laughs> and then you just hear like the, Wait, what did he just say? Like, what, what what's going on right now? <laughs> so I, I try to keep these around like 45 minutes to an hour. So I just got one more question, but um, then we'll wrap it up. So I kind of ask, bro. We, we could do this forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of me would love to just rip these for hours, but got yeah. family and got up. I hear you. I hear you. And so, yeah, I just want to hear like, you know, if you build wealth forever, you build these companies and they, you do great. Like what's your next step in five, 10 years? Like, where do you want to take your, your wealth 
That is an awesome question. I have no, I would consider that my intermediate plan, right? My long-term plan would probably be around 20 years from now. My short-term plan would probably be by the next year. So my intermediate plan of wealth, like my own personal growth and creation, I, I don't want to, I don't know what I would say I want, but I definitely am one of those people that like complacency kills and I'm not comfortable where I'm at. I always want more. And I know the end goal. I've always wanted to say that I've made a hundred million dollars in my life. And people hear that and they're like, what the fuck? Like, that's outrageous. But like, okay, if I've made almost 2 million in my career so far, almost 2 million fucking dollars, why can't I get the other 98? You know what I mean? It's like, so I can do one. And if I can do one, I can do a fucking hundred. And so that's the mindset that I have. And I just don't want to stop. So I don't know, but in five years, for my own personal wealth and creation, I would just like to be sitting right here, to be honest with you, doing the same thing I'm doing now, because I can't imagine where I'll be compounded five years from now. Yeah, Hormozzi says, I mean, he stole this from Warren Buffett, but, you know, it's the boat you're in, not the strokes you're taking, you know, one boat, <laughs> one So, you know, if, if you make $2 million at this point in your life, you know, it's just about maybe getting in the right boat for the next 98. But with 2 million over 60 years, you know, trading and selling options, you could definitely hit 100 million too. That's very reasonable to say. Um, yeah, I'm a huge, I'm yeah, a huge fan of um, Grant Cardone, right? And so Grant Cardone, real estate guy, 45-year-old working at a car, being a car salesman. Yeah. Fast forward, 60 years old, billionaire, not a not a hundred million, a B, a billionaire. And that's just like, and you know, I think of him always, like I've read all of his books and I always think of him, if Grant can do it from 45 on, I can do it whenever. You know, you see like the Colonel Sanders, um, Starbucks, McDonald's, all of these businesses that were created by guys in their 40s and 50s. And these guys that hit hyper success by the time they were 60. So I'm like, I know what I want. And I've read all these guys' books and I know how they got there. So I'm like, I feel like in some way I've been mentored and groomed by little pieces of all of them, right? And I'm like, and I know what I want in life. I get one fucking shot at it and I know what I want. A hundred million. Yep. I want a hundred million fucking dollars. <laughs> You're like Gary V, dude. You're like super big goal. And it's his goal pretty fine the jets but like uh <laughs> you have that big goal and it seems like that's driving everything else so that's yeah. that's awesome i love that i think yeah. the guys you mentioned you know i think they just have leverage over a lot of us you know grant has a huge fund he has a huge channel like he has yep. a massive sales team like to get to that amount of wealth it's leveraging something um so yeah that's huge but yeah. Let's, uh, you know, just finish up, just talk about kind of where you're at with your social and your, your company and where yeah. people can find you if, if they want to, you know, move forward with option selling with Max. If they want to option sell with Max, um, you can go straight to the website anytime, maxoptionstrading.com. Um, you'll, most people in the options trading world have seen some of my stuff somewhere before, whether it's on Instagram, Max Options Trading. I'm on Twitter, Max Options Trade. 
The YouTube is pretty new, Max Options Trading, but I'm super proud of it and we're working on it. And if you're looking for free educational content, my YouTube, I have a 10 course beginner course for beginners that are curated to the person who doesn't know a thing about options to advance selling strategies. My whole credit spread strategy that we spoke about, I have the, the whole class on YouTube multiple times and multiple demonstrations so they can literally pound it until they're comfortable and consistent. So I would always suggest to someone, and I still do to this day, go to YouTube, go to Google, utilize the free resources. You're not going to get, you can literally learn a master's degree on YouTube. Now you can learn how to trade options before you even start putting your money to where to work. Right. So go to those free resources, utilize them. And if you're ready to jump in, you can always go to our website and sign up for our discord. It's a seven day free trial, seven days, totally free. Cancel anytime you want and come sell options. If buying options is not working, hit the sell button. That's it. That's that's my that's my piece of info that I give to everyone. If it's not working and you've been trying for months and months, that's fucking insane to me. The definition of insanity. It's not working. You're doing it over and over and over. Push the sell button. I can guarantee I'll use the G word. I can guarantee you'll notice the shift in the consistency, at least. Amen. Yeah, that's huge, man. So I appreciate you taking the time to drop these huge value bonds for everyone and hopefully everyone really appreciates it and you can find max where he said and we'll drop the links in the episode description so you know hit those up and yeah appreciate you being on i really appreciate you having me brother like i could talk to a wall all day and talking to you i feel like we're close friends already man you know it was great meeting talking with you bro i love what you're doing the platform and everything you do for the trading community and I seriously had a great time and I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, me too, man. So maybe we'll have you on again. So stay tuned. And yeah, that's about it. Absolutely. That would be Peace. good.